This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of A Server's Journey with Rocky DeStefano. Good morning, Larry and Zach, and I am excited again to uh, have everybody come and walk this journey of leadership with us. I'm Zach Davis, and we hope to maybe shed some light on the purpose of, of what you're doing and why you're leading the way you are. Yeah, and I know, Zach, that's really important to you, and it's important to me, too. And really, even more important to me is that, you know, I want to remind you, everybody's leading somebody. And you need to be somebody worth following. That's good. That's a good point. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, who's on the show today, Rocky? So today we have uh, Dr. Laura Jack. Um, she is the international best-selling author of The Compassion Code, How to Say the Right Thing When the Wrong Thing Happens. She is also an expert in compassionate communication, a mastery-level transformational life coach, speaker, and trainer for the Grief Recovery Institute. Her mission is to create a culture of compassion, starting with yourself, and in her workshops and trainings for organizational leaders and family, she teaches compassionate communication and how we can relate to one another more effectively during the challenging moments in our life. I think she's got a lot to say. Absolutely. And she specializes in things like healing relationships so that you can live and lead with purpose, connection, and compassion. Fantastic. With something to look forward to. Are you ready for an epic moment in leadership? Always. Epic moments in leadership. Well, there's an innkeeper that, that went berserk. You know, I kind of picking on these. Zach, this is going to be, uh, I think, right up your alley here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Zach, uh, two diners in Austria bit off more than they could chew when they dared to complain about a mix-up in their food order. Now, does that guy? Does that ever happen to you guys? <laughs> yeah, it actually happened this morning. No, <laughs> they were compelled to run for safety from the the, the manager because he got enraged about what was happening. Yeah. yeah. So what? Are, this is great because I, you know, I think some of us in the food industry have maybe thought about this, maybe even dreamed a little bit about this, even though we're not supposed to admit to that. But Larry, what did he do? Well, the owner became so upset. He threw plates of food at them, and when the diners pointed out that they they had got the food order yeah, wrong, so and that he was basically the they complained, which is how dare they? Yeah. There was a mix up, which is kind of crazy because like normally when we have a mix up, we want to fix it, right? Um, but this guy decided to take a different approach. And yeah, his approach was to chase them and throw food at them. So does this ever happen to you guys? No. Huh? <laughs> Think well. I mean, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. I think the emotion is always there i don't know if we've ever gone to the extent of of throwing something something at, <laughs> no i don't think that's we intense have. yeah well you know the, the crazy thing too is i feel um you know we take things personally because we care so much and because we're trying so hard to be perfect right. that when we, when there's a mix-up we feel really bad about mm. it i think we almost internalize it too much which this gentleman probably was did. internalizing yeah. it quite a bit yeah yes. Yeah, so that may not be the right approach. Okay. Okay. Well, those are another uh, one of those, what do we call it? Um, epic moments. Epic in moments in leadership. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to talk about our website, too. Do you want to talk about the website, Rocky? Or, uh, so this is ACS Creative. Yes. They're a great firm out of the Virginia, D.C. area. And um, they are a total in-house uh, website developer. They can help with uh, advertising and creating a uh, marketing um, 
uh, campaigns. Campaign, yeah. Um, they do direct mail campaigns, you know. They and do everything. Websites. That's right. And you please go to our website at serversjourney.com. We ask that you uh, use it and enjoy it. And if you're looking for somebody to help you, we encourage you to check with ACS Creative. How do you contact them? It's acscreative.com. All right. Who's our guest today, Rocky? Once again, we have Dr. Laura Jack joining us on the phone in the underground bunker. Laura, thank you so much for being on air. Thank you so much for having me. And we've been kind of having a little bit the last several weeks, and we don't know how many episodes we'll have on this topic because every time we talk to a new guest, it brings up another question, and we want to keep doing more shows on it. And it really has been about self-care for the leader. Um, We talk a lot about being a servant leader, and it sounds easy, but if you do it and you do it well, it can really take a lot out of you. Um, so we are super excited to have you because we understand you're an expert on us on, on this topic. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here because I I believe that if you do it well, you actually don't have to burn out. Okay, good. So, so this yeah, is good. I so need I'm to talk excited to, to share some good nuggets to help our you know our servant leaders or in my you know in my case compassionate leaders do this without feeling like it's just an exhaustive journey. Oh, geez. I need you for sure. Then I I may have to put you on retainer. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I'm here. (laughs) So talk, talk to us a little bit about yourself, maybe your, your life, your family, your hobbies, maybe why you kind of got into this um, job because it's a very unique job. Yes, it is. It's a self-created position. Those are the best ones. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so how, what do you want? Like a minute, two minutes? Like what? Cause you know, I could talk about my entire life story for hours upon hours. Well, we're so. not here for the entire life. Yeah, but any, <laughs> maybe anything that you feel like is important on your journey of, of deciding sure. this as a career. Yes. So essentially, 11 years ago, my mom was hit and killed in a walking across the street by a car. And that was the beginning of this part of my journey. Um, I've always been somebody who led and who cared and who, you know, I would probably have considered myself a servant leader, Um, somebody who was always involved in my family and my parents were also very involved in the community. There's actually a school named after my mom and outside of Houston, Texas. So that's pretty cool. It just shows the commitment to education and the commitment to others. And that's been something that was ingrained in me since I was little. Uh, But after her death, which was sudden and tragic, it just kind of led me on this quest to figure out who the heck I am and what I want to do with my life. Because even though I was on a certain path, it just didn't feel like the right path anymore. And so that kind of led to a lot of inquiry, you know, self-inquiry and self-reflection, which eventually led to, I went to massage school, I went to health coaching school, I went to NLP school, I went to, I just have been kind of doing the gamut of things to try to figure out who I am and what I want to be when I grow up. And um, along the way, realized that one of the biggest things that was missing in our society was people's ability to support each other through those challenging moments in life, you know, which are ever common. I mean, we all as human beings experience on average, nine major grieving experiences in a lifetime. Wow. Wow. And, Mm. and that's like, that's for some people, that's not very many. They're like, I've experienced 25 this year. Like they've lost every person they love and they've gotten a divorce and they've, 
been through a bankruptcy and they've become empty nester. Like those are all grieving experiences. So, you know, for me, it's realizing that getting the language, the, the what and the how around supporting each other through these challenging moments of being a human has been probably the biggest thing that led me to be a compassionate leadership coach and do trainings around how to be a, you know, a compassionate person without burning yourself out. You, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Almost every single counselor coach that we've had on, it seems like they've really come to this through some sort of, you know, almost epiphany where they, it was either through some kind of tragedy or through, you know, some great moment where they realized that, okay, we have to do good in this, you know, this place. So I'm very sorry to hear about your mom. Yeah, we, there's this, I, I watched the Lord of the Rings like several years ago um, for maybe the second or third time. And it was (laughs) after I already had the grief lens of, you know, from the grief work that I've, that I've been doing for so many years now. And I remember being like, all great stories and all great journeys begin with a grieving experience. And you see it in Disney. You see it in Disney, like all the, every major Disney movie minus maybe Moana start with some baby or some, like some little kids, parents dying. Right. Yeah. And, and then they go on this journey of self-discovery of how they want to live their life differently than they were doing it before. Wow. Yeah. You know, we're a huge story. In fact, our, you know, at, at our restaurants, um, our mission statement is make their story better. I'm a huge yeah. story guy, and I believe you're right. Every story, every great story, you overcome something. Yes, yes, exactly. That's awesome. Well, it's very good to m- meet you, and I'm going to let Zach, I think he's got some questions for you here. He's been sure thing. biting at the... Uh, biting at the bit <laughs> here. <clears throat> yeah, so, so something that stuck out to me, so it sounds like you've kind of answered this question slightly, but not maybe directly. So... I've never heard of a compassion coach before. I've heard of a coach. I've heard of a life coach. I've heard of, you know, all of these things. And you talk about compassion leaders. Why is compassion so important? If you had to explain it to, a, you know, a compassion dummy, what, how, would you, how would you explain it? Uh, well, a compassionate person wouldn't really think of somebody as a compassionate dummy, but. <laughs> yes, yes, very but, fair. Uh, no, I'm just teasing you. Um, so basically, well, in my book, there's a, I created what's called the compassion bell curve. And this is the easiest way for me to explain it. So if you imagine a bell curve, which most of us have seen a bell curve at some point in our lives, at the top of the bell curve, so that middle line that goes straight down, I think of compassion. Okay. And you know how they, it like curves down to the sides. Do you, do you all know what that looks like? Yes. Okay. I, I have no so, clue what a bell curve is. Okay. So I'm going to let this, so I'm a lot older than Zach. So I'll, <laughs> so think about like an ups, think about a bell, right? So on the left, it like goes up and then it goes down and around. So it's the standard deviation curve that like you learn in a statistics class or something like that. But basically at the top of the bell curve, is compassion. So in the middle, right? So right in the middle is like, so just think of it as like a middle line along a curve. And on the right-hand side of compassion is empathy. So everybody mistakes compassion for empathy. And empathy is feeling with someone. So it's feeling with somebody through their suffering. So it's almost like you take it on yourself. And this, so people confuse compassion fatigue. Like they say, They say compassion fatigue, but it's actually empathy fatigue because when you feel with somebody for so long and so much, and you just feel it so much in your own body, you then, it can lead to burnout. 
Yes. Okay, and that's what we're talking about today. And on the other side of burnout, if you feel burnout for a really long time, you're going to disconnect because you won't have anything left to give anybody else. Right. Okay. So then you go to the other side of compassion. Okay. So on the other side of compassion is sympathy and sympathy is feeling for someone. And when you feel for someone, even at a distance, you can, it can lead to pity. So almost like you're falling into a pit away from them. Like you're farther away from them and you're like, Oh, I feel so sorry for them. And so like, it's more, it's less feeling with them and more feeling for them. And when you're on the other side of pity, that can also lead to disconnection. It's how we can think of, you know, people worlds away and be like, Oh, that sucks for them that they're going through hunger or war, but it doesn't affect us. Right. Because it's not in our backyard. Right. Right. So on the other side of pity is also disconnection. And so what I say is all roads lead to disconnection if you don't start with compassion for yourself first. We can't be compassionate towards other people until we've been compassionate with ourselves. And so whenever you know, you're thinking about compassion, why does compassion matter? It's because it's the merge between sympathy, feeling for and people and empathy feeling with people. And so if you're like a person who tends to burn out because you care so much, you're going to want to lean in towards compassion with boundaries. Yeah. And if you're on the other side with sympathy, where you have a tendency to disconnect and be more pit, like have more pity, you're going to want to lean into compassion with connection. Hmm. Yeah. We, we actually had an entire episode where we tried to discover the difference between sympathy and empathy. And that was pretty good explanation right yeah, there. Yeah, and I think, I think you that nailed it. That put a more it, so visual thing in my head. We can just take our okay. show down and put your show right, right up. <laughs> well, if you want, I can send you the picture of the compassion bell curve so you can see what it looks like. And it'll give you some, it'll give you some kind of constant reminder in your head of where am I being right now and what do I need to do to reconcile it? Yeah, do that because Isabella will put it up on the website too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. I think we've been, you know, I've been struggling and uh, just real quickly, i uh, give you a little bit of background on yeah, why please. this topic has become so important is we've recently gone from one restaurant to two and I am somewhere on that curve and probably at different times have been at both both ends. Um, yes. But, you know, I've we've gone from... Uh, a hundred people to 200 people. And I've been so um, weary of burnout because yeah. I try to internalize and take everybody's issues um, and make them my own. And so that, you know, is really the reason be behind us talking to so many people like yourself. Yeah. Mm. And so let me ask you a question. Sure. By internalizing their stuff, how is that serving them? Yeah. You know, I, I think the answer is it's not. Um, but I, you know, for me, I've always been a solver. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, foolishly think, okay, I can swoop in here and somehow help them. I can be the hero. Mm -hmm. um, so what if, what if, would you like some support around? This? Yes, I would love some support. So. <laughs> okay. Since you brought me in, I'm going to help you out. Yeah, help me, um, please. <laughs> like, let, let me give you some guidance. So essentially, like we think that we need to come in and fix and we live in a very fix it oriented culture. And the thing is, is that by taking it on and taking it in and then trying to fix it, like we are doing ourselves and them a major disservice because we're trying to hero them, which, you know, there's this thing called the drama triangle where you're the hero, the villain or the victim. 
Right. And if you're heroing them, that puts them either in the villain role or the victim role. And, you know, I would, I would strongly encourage you to look into the drama triangle because one of the things that's amazing about taking yourself out of the hero is that you can become a coach. And by becoming a coach, you actually empower them not to be a victim of their circumstances, but the empowered creator of their own life. Yeah. I love that. And that, and that serves them long-term. Whereas you fixing their problem on the immediate is only helping them momentarily until they need you again. So you're becoming, you're putting yourself into a position of needing to be constantly available instead of empowering them to be able to solve it for themselves in the future. Yeah, I think you've uh, just described my day to day. So, <laughs> I uh, now now tell me again the drama. Is it the drama principle? No, triangle. it's the drama. The drama triangle. triangle. So again, it's another shape, which obviously <laughs> helps. But it's on. You know, there's the hero, the victim, and the villain. And honestly, we all play all those roles anytime we're involved in drama. And drama is exhausting and leads to burnout. Right. And so by you, like maybe with a hundred people, you could handle it. And now that you're bringing in 200 people who you're helping or you're serving or you're leading, it's like, oh my God, I can't keep up with this. And of course you can't. A hundred is actually impressive, honestly, but really you're putting, you've been put in a position where now you have the unique opportunity to step up as a true leader, not only as a servant leader, which is going to lead you to burnout, but a compassionate leader, somebody who gives a shit But then also empowers their people to truly rise up to the occasion. So this, so this is all abstract, great, deep thinking stuff. But how do we apply it to a concrete example? Yeah, I think that's where a lot of us struggle is because this sounds perfect to me. And then I'll get caught in the same rhythm, you know, because I don't have steps. Yes, absolutely. Well, number one, and not to plug my book, but I wrote a whole book about this. So it's like the practical approach to responding with compassion in every circumstance. And and the book is The Compassion Code, How to Say the Mm -hmm. Right Thing When the Wrong Thing Happens. And that's dealing with literally any situation. So you can like deal with somebody who comes in and tells you that their mom's been diagnosed with cancer all the way to somebody like, you know, stubbed their toe on the way to work. And how do you respond? Right. And so it's, it's really giving you some really practical guidance. So what I'll tell you now are some just basic tools. Cause obviously I could, I wrote a whole book about it, so I can't give you everything cause that'd just be impossible. Sure, yeah. and, but I'll, I'll tell you some really good practical um, nuggets that you can take away for the rest of your time. Okay. On earth. <laughs> okay. No big deal. Um, but <laughs> the first one, and this is really important for all humans, but particularly men seem to struggle with this more because you also have the tendency, women do it too. Um, cause we all, a lot of women live in the masculine, but, um, to want to fix things Yeah. when in reality, a lot of times when your people come to you with problems or concerns, You've trained them to want you to fix it. But what they typically really want underneath that is acknowledgement and validation. Hmm. So what that sounds like is, so come to me with a typical problem. Let's do some role play for a second. Here, we can get, we just had a problem at, we just had a problem at Chick-fil-A. So we just, perfect. we just had a guy that we've been working with for the past, I don't know, eight years, seven years, six years, something like that. And he played such a pivotal pivotal role at our store. And I remember sitting in the living room of our apartment, my wife and I's apartment, and my wife comes out of the restroom, 
and she's in tears, and she's saying, well, John just passed away. Okay, and I honestly, if I'm being honest, I didn't know I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with that. Right, or how to help her. I didn't know. So yeah. the imp- empathetic thing you're saying is to get in the boat with her. Maybe the, the what is it, the other, what was the other special sympathetic thing would yeah. be to pity her. And obviously, we're both involved in this situation. But what would be the compassionate approach? Yeah. No, that's a perfect one. And number one, I'm so sorry that you guys had to go through losing somebody you care so deeply about who you've worked with for so long. Yeah. Um, it sucks really big time. It's been so, tough, that's for sure. Um, so the first thing to do is that, which is to say, oh, my God. I can't, or oh my goodness, or whatever your language is, because I don't want to put, you know, some people don't like saying, oh my God. But for me, it's like, oh my goodness. So some kind of feeling of, you know, overwhelm or shock, whatever you're feeling, which is, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So like, that's your truth. So the first thing is to speak your truth without making it about you. So you're like, oh my God, I can't believe he died. What is that going to mean for us in the business? Right? Like, it's not about that right this minute, right? Right this minute, she's crying because she cares about this person who's worked with you for six years plus who, who you deeply care about. So when she's crying, it doesn't mean you have to fix it or make it stop. You can say, oh my gosh, come here. Let's sit on the couch. Do you want a hug? Mm. Like, God, this sucks. I can't believe he's gone. I can't imagine how his family is feeling right now. Or I can't believe that he's not with us anymore. This is crazy. I can't even fathom what this is really, what this really is. Or this is a shock, but you can be quiet and just invite her to sit down with you on the couch. Mm. Yeah. And I think that goes along with what you're saying about, you know, acknowledgement, validation, you know, by, by your words, you're, you're, you're really accomplishing those things. Yeah. And you don't actually, so shockingly, when you do that, when you acknowledge and you validate, you don't actually have to do a whole lot more. And it's what's beautiful about it is it takes a lot of the pressure off you to say the right thing. Right. Because there actually is no real thing that you could say that would make it better. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not. There's a loss. So you have to deal with it. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. super true. There's so, nothing that you can say that will make the pain all go away. Mm. And you can say, gosh, I wish I could take the whole, like all this pain away. And I know I can't. So what, what do you want to do? Should we just sit here and talk about him? Do you want to be quiet? Like if she's the one who's struggling more than you are, like, and she might have a bigger response than you did. Maybe she was closer to him or there's nothing to be said that like, if you feel sad, you can't feel sad too. There's nobody who needs to be strong, Mm. right? Like everybody has this weird philosophy, like, oh, somebody has to be strong for the other person. And that's, it's actually a myth. It's not true. And it's actually not helpful. Yes. If you were to like, if she's having a hard time and then you lay on the floor in the fetal position and start to cry, that might take away from her experience. And you might just be a human being and feel feelings with her. Maybe you're sad too. Maybe you just sit there in silence and think about how this is feeling for you, right? Because we have this tendency to think that we need to fix somebody or be strong for them. And the reality is, is Often that puts them, that puts you in that pity position. Yeah. Of sim- you're like, oh, poor them. They're yep. so sad. Well, you know, you mentioned something about how in, in particular you see this with men where they want to kind of fix it. Yeah. And I, I find myself, I fall in that trap all the time. In fact, um, I, I, I have a coach and uh, we walk through a series where he kind of talked to a lot of my best friends, my family, 
um, just to kind of figure out where I was at and how I was doing. And my wife, who I love her for being this honest, one of her comments is he uses all of his patience and compassion at work and he doesn't have any for us when he comes home. And it was shocking and true. And so I've been working through this process of how, how am I there for somebody without internalizing and letting it drag me down so that I'm useless, you know, for the, for yeah, the important absolutely. things. So number one is to shift the way you see pain. So this is a mindset shift that will, that would it's something that you'll have to remind yourself of for a little while until right. it becomes a stronger muscle. Um, but the thing is, is that when you look at pain as something that happens to somebody where they're the victim of this pain, it is really hard to not feel with them and feel right. a lot of feelings about it. And without saying this to them, you're not going to like go tell the person who's struggling. But if you can look at pain as something that is happening for somebody's growth hmm. on their journey through life. So like you mentioned earlier in the call, you said that every, you know, every person, these counselors and all these people who've come in to talk about self-care and all this stuff that you've been doing the last few episodes, they've all gone through their own journey, right? right? That's led them here, right? Yes. And so when you look at it like, wow, people are responsible for their own experiences in life, not what happens to them because shit just happens sometimes. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily their fault at all, but absolutely they own, but their how process. we proceed is what is up to us. Yeah. I love that. how we proceed. And so when we look at somebody who's going through a hell of a time and we feel so sad, we have to remind ourselves, this is part of their growth journey. This is part of their growth here on earth. And I don't like, we don't want to take away their pain because we don't know. Yes. I wish I could no doubt about it. I wish you didn't have to suffer. I wish I hadn't had to lose my mom. I right. wish that, you know, your, your friend hadn't had to die young or any other time. And that's just part of being a human. And again, this isn't something you say to a person who's amidst a major grieving experience, but this is an internal compass that you can use to help yourself See this person not as somebody who's broken, because they are not, but somebody, as one of my mentors say, somebody who's brokenhearted, but who's on their journey. Like to me, it's reminding yourself, this person is on their journey and hmm. we'll see what, ha what comes of it. Wow. Yeah. Listen, Laura, we are just about out of time for today, but I would like to see if you would be able to come back again next week and, and continue <laughs> sure. this conversation. Would you, would you be able to do that? Sure, just send me a message and we'll figure it out. So that, you know, I'm just very intrigued by what Laura has what to she's say. Saying, yeah. yeah. And I think that it's uh, wise to bring her back for another show. Yeah, so you're going to have to be here again next That's week. Right. Well, so she's going to be here too. Same channel. Same channel, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, we want to thank everyone for linking up with us today here on A Server's Journey. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and we want all of you to be good listeners and be good leaders as well. So learning to lead by serving. So Rocky, until next time, I am your ever faithful companion. Right, and I don't have any pithy statement this time. So, oh. But I will say that we want to remind everybody that everybody leads. We want to be somebody worth following. This is Rocky DeStefano. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.